Welcome to the Italian Football Podcast with John Solano, Carlo Garganese and Nima Tuvali. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another interview episode of the Italian Football Podcast. We hope you are doing well and staying safe wherever you are in the world. Before I introduce our next guest, just a brief reminder, if you want to get access to all of the episodes of the Italian Football Podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash TIFP to become a member for only $2.99 per month. That gets you access to not only all of the episodes of the podcast, but also our our written work. You can also help participate in the shows by asking questions to our guests and so much more. So again, patreon.com slash T-I-F-P. All right, very excited to welcome on our next guest here of the Italian Football Podcast. This is a gentleman who entered the world of calcio in 2011 as an executive of Roma. He then spent time at Bologna. Most recently, he was the president of Serie B side Venezia. And now he is in talks to potentially acquire Serie C side Catania. Very excited to welcome onto the podcast Joe Tacopina. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? Good, John. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you again for coming on. This is very, very exciting. So let's just jump right into it because um, we we will talk about all the stuff that you're involved in now to potentially acquire Catania later. But let's just start out at the top. You're you're going on what now? Almost a decade of being involved in Italian football. Is that right, or is it over a decade? Yeah, no. It's at, well, actually, the the first venture started in 2008 with George Soros and, and Roma. You know, we took that initial run at AS Roma. Uh, back in 2000, started in 2008, that obviously didn't end well. Um, and with the, the defense, he's sort of pulling out at the last second and, and George walking away from that, um, which was a pity. Um, but then, you know, we got a call back from uh, Unicredit. I remember getting a call back from Unicredit in 2010 saying, you want to try again? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to try again, except am I going to be dealing with stability and, you know, stable people? And, and, and they said, yeah, should be dealing with you'll be dealing with us. So Paolo Fiorentino and I uh, started down a road that wound up with the uh, closing of the AS Roma deal um, in, in 2011 uh, with with my group that I brought in, which was at the time I put together a group of mostly Bostonians headed by uh, Tom DiBenedetto. Um, and then Pilata was one of the, the investors, obviously, in that group and and subsequently became president after DiBenedetto left. But, uh, you know, that was one of the, the proudest days of my life, for sure, being you know, raised a Roma fan. My father was born in Roma, and uh, it, it really meant meant a lot to me. So, okay, it was a special day. All right, so that's actually the perfect segue to our next question, and that is going to be asked Joe on behalf of one of our patrons, Sabrina. So, let me bring her on very quickly so she can ask you her question. Hi, my name is Sabrina, and I've got a question for Joe. Since taking over Venezia, the success of the club, both on the pitch and off of it, specifically things like social media have been really impressive. So I just wanted to know, what are the biggest differences between doing business in Italy and doing business in the United States? Thank you. And Joe, if I could just add to that, the the question that I have to to, to add on to what Sabrina said, you know, why Italy? Couldn't you easily make more money in, you know, the Premier League, La Liga? Yeah, well, there was a couple things. I'll tell you what. It it didn't start out as me wanting to do anything in Italian football other than, you know, I was in Italy for work. I was doing some work. Um, 
for one of the the most important families in, in, in the world doing some legal work as a lawyer. And, and, you know, I always try to schedule my trips so I'd be there over a weekend, you know, uh, accidentally, so I could go to a game, you know. So I, I remember going to the Olympic, go to see a derby. Uh, Montella scored four goals that game. And uh, I remember just being absolutely blown away by what I experienced, which was a passion that I had never really felt in any North American sports arena, um, which was something that really got to me, really got to me. And, and I felt the, you know, for two hours, the foundation of the stadium was moving with, with the, the Roma fans. And it was something that I said, my God, I want to be a part of this. I want to do something here. This is a passion, you know, came out of me that I really have not, never experienced in any sporting event before. So, you know, I wanted to do something. And then when I started, you know, I, I brought in experts like Inner Circle Sports and, 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 and you know, sports banks to sort of guide me. And, and what I became very obvious very quickly was that Italian football teams are the most undervalued property in all of sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, we per, get, just, think of, just think about what I'm about to say and let that sink around your head for a little bit. We closed on AS Roma, purchased AS Roma with, at an enterprise value in 2011 of 110 million euros. Um, wow. You know, when you think about that, there are player contracts that are more yeah. than 110 million euros. That included owning AS Roma, Trigoria. There was a guy named Toti on the team at the time. You may remember him. <laughs> I mean, like 110 million euros was the enterprise value. You know, the, the teams like in America around that time, like the Los Angeles Clippers, sold for $2 billion. And the Los right. Angeles Clippers are the second team in Los Angeles. They don't own their own arena. Uh, they've never won anything. And yet they were selling for $2 billion. AS Roma was at 110 million euros. So I said, I, I was able to convince people, including Pilata and others, that there is something here. These, these properties are undervalued. And with the right business model, a North American sports business model, where you're really focusing on a lot of things that aren't really focused on in the Italian football, you know, you can make this a sustainable business. And, and that's really what my, my sort of takeaway was. But, but yes, first and foremost, I wouldn't have purchased a team anywhere. I mean, look, uh, my, my, my love for Italy is so strong. Um, you know, my parents being from, from Italy, um, you know, that meant a lot to me. I love the culture. I love the country. I love being there. You know, one of the proudest days of my life is when I became a, a, a knight, a cavalieri um, mm. in, in Italy. So, you know, it's, 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 it means a lot to me. And that's why I focused on, on that. Did you have a favorite Italian player and any specific player? I mean, I'm thinking if it's Roma, was it like Bruno Conti or someone like that? Or Giannini even or yeah. someone, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was it was Conti. It was, but the guy that I, you know, even though it was a little later in in my my, you know, I look, I loved, I loved Maldini. Okay, mm, I loved Maldini. I loved, you know, Baresi, um, uh, from Boston, even though it wasn't Italian. But but mm. you know, the guy that really got me the most, um, aside from a guy who became my one of my dear friends. Gigi Buffon, putting him aside, the guy who got me the most because I just loved the way he played. And I look for players today who, who exemplify what he did was Gattuso, Reno Gattuso. Mm. Um, he was someone who would rather die on the field than lose a game and, and, and would leave it all on the field. And those are the players, to me, you, you can't get enough of. Um, so you know, that was the, the guy that I really adored. Uh, obviously, Scalacci, uh, you know, being Sicilian was was also another um, great, great <laughs> sort of player. 
All right, so another question that I'm dying to ask you that I think you can add a pretty unique perspective on is you spend a lot of time, like myself, in between Italy, the United States. For me, the sporting experience, regardless of the specific sport, basketball, NBA, uh, American football, hockey, baseball, whatever it is, it just seems like the sporting experience, the marketing, the infrastructure, such as stadiums behind these sports again it doesn't matter the specific one but when you compare that to italy it just seems like they are so far ahead so i'm dying to know from you how does uh, how does italian football get to not even that level but near that level is it because i hear people say something as simple as oh well we need better stadiums is it really that easy because i i feel like that's maybe too simple of an answer it's a great question, and it's one that obviously we ask, and when I speak to investors, they ask, um, at least the savvy ones ask. And, and the answer is, it's not, there's not one thing. So it's a, a bunch of things. And one you did mention, though, um, it, it is infrastructure, it's stadiums. I mean, that's for sure. Look, here's the bottom line. I used to go to any stadium I could get to when I was in Italy for work, and I'd been to the Del Alpi many times. And Juventus with some of the greatest teams, like in our lifetime, you know, Del Piero, Zidane, Conti, all these these great players, they, they that Del Alpi was, you know, two-thirds empty because it was horrific, because it was a big bowl. The seats, I mean, you, you can see better on TV than anywhere in that stadium. Um, so it was just a little bit different. The new Juventus Stadium, obviously, is stated from inside the pitch anyway. Not, you know, they still haven't, as, as far as I'm concerned, maximized potential revenue streams outside of the, the pitch. But from the seats on down, um, it, it is a phenomenal experience. And that stadium is full every game. So a big part of it is the, the, the game day experience, the fan experience. Right. I mean, look, you're more comfortable and have a better view watching a game at home than you are at the stadium. It's almost begs the question, why go to the stadium? It's not like you have all the modern amenities. I mean, for God's sake, half the stadium, you still need to put a newspaper down on your seat to sit down, right? Which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 and you can't go and buy, you know, uh, jerseys for your kids at the stadiums. You can go outside and get the counterfeit ones five feet away, which is absolutely <laughs> crazy, That's right? Insane. But you can't go and at halftime and go get a nice panini, a glass of wine, because there's only one kiosk. And, you know, Italians with lines, lines don't exist. It's like a funnel. <laughs> Right. right. So it's just like, you know, right. there's no, there's no line. You're, 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 you're sitting there for 30 minutes. Halftime's only 15. By the time you get up there, they ran out of water. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. So that is a major part of it. The other part of it is this. They, ha you know, I, and I, people said to me all the time, you're, why do you invest in Italian football? Because you don't like money. And, and, you know, I would say, I would say, well, look, yeah, if you run it the way the Italians have been running it. And, and the thing that I don't understand is you have some of the smartest, business minds in Italy owning these teams. Yet when they own the teams, they act like they are, are uneducated from the get-go. Um, and it's something that is, you know, shocking to me. And I say, well, why don't, you know, most of these guys buy these teams for social currency purposes. You know, you want to be prime minister, buy AC Milan. You want to be, you know, and, 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 and they, they do it to enhance their standing in the community. And, and that's all fine. But it's not mutually exclusive with running a, a fiscally responsible organization. And, and Italy has to batten the hatches down a little bit. I mean, if you look at the, the La Liga, look, to me, La Liga is the best league in the world when it comes to 
the business of, of the leagues because what happens is you can't lose money in La Liga. They don't let you lose money in La Liga. Sure. I mean, you have to present numbers there for the league in order to proceed in that season that are sustainable. You can't, you know, make up a sponsorship, uh, uh, 40 million in sponsors and it's only 400,000, 400,000. You have to show them proof and, and they prevent you from losing money there. I mean, it's, so that league is, you know, when do you see a La Liga team going bankrupt? But unfortunately yeah. in Italy, you see a lot of teams going bankrupt primarily because, you know, it's funny. I compare capitalism and socialism. And in America, obviously the most capitalistic country in the world, to enter into the sports world there, you get vetted like you're running for president. I mean, there's no, you don't mm. just show up and you own the team and you tell the league about it later. In Italy, you know, you buy a team, it's a private deal, and then the league finds out about it after the deal's closed um, without having any say as to who comes in. And, you know, the laundry list is pretty long of all the individuals who really had no business buying teams, owning teams, uh, only to be, you know, found out to be a fraud, you know, six months later, uh, a year later, you know, so how many teams have gone bankrupt in the league? So mm -hmm. it's, it's not, you know, so I think they need to be more discerning about who comes into the business. I think they do need, you know, an infrastructure program. And look, that's what the stadium law is for. That's what Credito Sportivo is in existence for, to help subsidize, you know, the rebuilding of, of stadiums. But, you know, you're, you're in a position where a lot of these stadiums are owned by the municipality and you're paying rent as a team owner. And, and the municipalities <laughs> in Italy, as you know, don't have money to refurbish these stadiums, right, or put a penny into them, so they don't. But you as a team owner who's paying rent for these stadiums, you don't want to spend millions of dollars of your own money a year or every couple of years to, to modernize your stadium that you don't even own, right? So it's, it's like this, this, this perfect storm of, of how shit rolls downhill, excuse the expression, but you want to put these antiquated... You want to put these antiquated stadiums that don't get better. Um, and that is not, you know, it's, it's a problem. All right. So you just set up the perfect segue. So one thing we talk about on this podcast quite a bit in regards to the stadiums is the Italian bureaucracy, just how often it can take to get things done in the country. Can you just speak, because you ran into this yourself at Venezia, can you just speak to how much and how bad this bureaucracy within the country can be? Again, this is something we talk about quite a bit, and I think for most people, it goes in one ear and out the other because it's one of those words where it, it could mean a million different things. And quite frankly, we probably even sound sometimes like we don't know what the heck we are talking about. So can you just discuss that very quickly? Because I, I, I think coming from you, it would mean infinitely more. Yeah. Um you know, sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about either when it comes to that because it's just <laughs> this, 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 there, there's no rules. Like the rules change every week. Um, you know, have Rocco Camisso come on your show and ask him about how he's doing with his new uh, training center in, in, in Florence. He's like ready to choke somebody there. He doesn't understand. He's got the money. He wants to do it. Yet the, uh, you know, the an executive in the municipality uh, is, is holding up the process. Like, and, and, and that, to someone like that, he doesn't understand. It's like, wait, I'm doing this myself. I'm not asking for government funding. I'm doing it myself. Why can't I do this tomorrow? You know, and, and you just can't. Um, it's, it's really is, uh, uh, it's, it's frustrating at times. It is. And look, we were, when I was the vice president of Astroma, and, and I left there in 2014 to pursue Bologna and become president of Bologna. When I was there, we were, forget when I was, when I left there in 2014, in 2011, 
we were presenting stadium projects to the municipality. I remember being in meetings with the mayor um, where we were presenting that stadium project. That's 2011. Here we are, you know, basically 10 years later, and there's still not a nail on the ground. And by the way, I don't think they're any closer having that nope. stadium done today than they were <laughs> in 2011. So that begs the question, why? Because isn't it good for everyone? Isn't it good for the municipality? Isn't it good for the, I mean, the, the taxes and the, the revenue streams that will come from, from the, the, the taxes and the money spent there would be good for the city. The, the, the number of jobs created there would be enormous. Um, the, the, you know, the fact that you have something that makes the city, you know, proud, a, a leader in industry would be great. Why? Why? Because there might be a rune, a, 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 I don't know, a stone from the Roman era that's over there that, that you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, what, what, what is the reason? And then, of course, you have the, the Green Party. You know, if there's a tree that has to be cut down, project can't go forward. Um, and then you have the bureaucracy. Like, you know, if, the, if one party supports it, well, by knee-jerk reaction, the other party has to oppose it. And, and it just, it's, it's like, it, it's really difficult and frustrating for someone who understands that, you know, they want to be able to do something that's good for all, including the community, and not be able to do it. So it is frustrating, and, and that really does have to be straightened out on a political level. I, I didn't run into that problem with, with Venezia because I had Luigi Brunaro, Mayor Brunaro, um, as my partner, he promised me he would support that stadium project, and he got it approved for me. He's a you know he's a different sort of mayor. He reminds me of Mayor Bloomberg, you know, or or, or somebody who you know because he was a he came from the business world. He wasn't born a politician, and and he gets things done. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's not the case all over Italy. Now, we're, now I want to I want to talk. I want to ask you something about something that I that's kind of uh, really important to me, and I've read in the newspapers, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Or, or you know, I, basically, it's been reported that you're you know you left Venezia, you sold it in February, if I'm not mistaken, and that you're in talks to acquire Catania, uh, a team that has gone through a lot of financial difficulties, but has a, a rich history. What can you say about these negotiations? I mean, first of all, can you confirm that talks are going on, and what what is the status there? Yeah, I will confirm talks are going on. I put out a statement, you know, in in uh, Sicily and Lesson Field and the other the other publications down there, um, because there was so much speculation. You know, I went down and first of all, when I when I left Venezia after after five years of president there and having some some great success and some great fun and winning three trophies in total there, um, you know, it, it was really an amazing experience. But you know, I I, I was sort of sitting back, you know, I have a law practice that keeps me very busy in the United States. But, you know, funny enough, I was reading in the newspaper every day. I was buying Sampdoria. I was buying Torino. I was buying <laughs> Udinese. I was buying Siena. I was buying, like, uh, Novara. I mean, things I've never even heard of, like, you know, and then and then Catania. And I swear to you, other than one of those teams, one of the Serie A teams in there mentioned, I hadn't had any discussions with anyone about anything. But then what happens with Catania, you know, this, this Sicilians are very passionate people. My mother was born there. Um, and, and, and so, you know, I started getting calls first from Salvo Reina, my lawyer, who was the lawyer for me in Bologna, is Rocco Camisso's lawyer um, in, in, in Fiorentina. And, you know, he called me. He's from Catania. He said, you're buying Catania? I said, why don't you call me? I said, Salvo. Because you were in the newspaper, you think that's true? I said, of course not. But I, it's, uh, I, I have no idea what they're talking about. I, I, you know, honestly, I haven't even thought of Catania. Where are they? What, what Syria are? I didn't even know where they were. You know, and, and they said, no, you understand. It's a great project with great potential. Then I got a call from 
another individual um, who, who Pepe Cusmano, who's from Catania, is a friend of mine, and he works with uh, one of the biggest sports agencies, player agents in, in, in the in the country, um, in Europe, quite frankly, and, and told me the same thing. And then, you know, I got a very touching email from an employee of Catania, um, one of the managers there, who really poured his heart out to me and said, we would love to have you here. You could do so much in this project, you could be our savior. And the way he wrote it just got to me to the point where I said, I'm going to take a look. Then I got a call from Walter Zenga, my former coach who coached there, both of Vincenzo Mantella and Fabio Cannavaro. Mantella and Zenga obviously were coaches at the time, and they said by far and away it was the greatest experiences in their football careers. They, the, the, the Catania experience was phenomenal. The quality of life, the place, the location, the training facility, obviously. Cannavaro brings his team from China to train there. Okay, um, in the uh, or brought his team from China to, to, to train there in, in toward the Griffo. So I said, you know what? Everyone seems to be excited about this. Let me do a little research. I started looking at it. I was blown away by what I saw. But aside from the fact that I, I embarrassed to say, I didn't know Catania was the ninth largest city in Italy, uh, 1.1 million. Um, it has the, according to different articles I've read on Wikipedia and elsewhere, between the 10th and 12th largest fan base mm. in, in the country. Um, and when you take away the, the six big boys, that yeah. means there's only three other teams that have a larger fan base than Catania in the country. Um, I then started looking at, at Catania's history and could not believe the, 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 I mean, the great players that went through there and the recent success they've had. I mean, but they were in Serie A seven years ago, and they finished eighth not too long ago. And they, mm. they had great teams, Maxi Lopez and, and Papo Gomez and, and, and you know, it's just it, the history is, is daunting. Then I did something which really I shouldn't have done because then I got sucked in hook, line, and sinker. I went on <laughs> YouTube and watched some of the Catania videos. Mm. Okay, and if you look at that fan base, yeah. if that doesn't get your blood flowing and you excited, mm. then you're dead. Because there's one particular video I remember. I think it was when I was at Roma. What we Catania went and played at the Olimpico in Roma. Mm. They had. I think it was twelve or fourteen thousand Catania fans in attendance in the the, the, the North Curve, the Ospedi. Okay, yeah. they they. I mean, I've never seen. And by the way, you can't drive from Catania to Rome, right? So I mean, think about that. People flew fourteen thousand people in that sector. They lost either seven to nothing or seven to one, but they got wiped out. They didn't lose. Okay. With each goal, and normally when your team's losing four nothing, five nothing, six nothing, seven nothing, what happens is the whistles start coming out, you know, and you know the hissing and all that stuff. With each goal Roma scored, the Catania fans got louder and louder, Forza Catania and louder. And if you watch that YouTube video, maybe you'll have the same reaction I did. I got goosebumps watching that. I really got goosebumps thinking, my God. So I went down there, I brought my team down. My team consists of some really great people, of course, Alvarena. Uh, Dante Shabili, who was my uh, director general in uh, in Venezia for five years, one of the top commercial leases in Italy. Um, you know, Beppe Guzmano, I told you about, I have a partner who used to be a, a Lehman banker, uh, now runs some of the best hotels in the world, named Sean Largata. Um, you know, Giovanni Gardini, one of the best uh, names in Italian football as an executive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have a, a, a monster team of, of people who want to get involved in this project. So I went down there to take a look, and then I saw Torre de Griffo. And if you've ever seen Torre de Griffo, I mean, you can't really believe it until you see it. I've spent a lot of time in Madrid. I'm very close to Jose Sanchez. My son went out, worked out there for a year. Um, 
it, it's you know it's the pinnacle of sports teams. It really is. It's, it, it's the, the gold standard. They have a brand new training facility that is enormous, and I'll tell you what, it has absolutely nothing on toward the Griffo. It's bigger because it's Madrid. But other than that, quality-wise, there are things that Tour de Griffo has that, that they don't even have in Madrid. It is by far and away the gem of that organization, aside from the fan base, which is incredible, um, and aside from the history. So, you know, you have a, 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 an organization that in Syria, they, they had 28,000 in that stadium routinely, um, you know, and, and you have a, a property there that attracts players um, from all over the world because it's so incredible. Uh, the facilities are incredible a fan base that will support you and sustain you if you give them what they want, which is respectability and, and you show passion. Um, and it's in Sicily and they have the best rice bowls in the world. The Arancini <laughs> there are, you can't compare them to anywhere else, Pasta La Norma and cannolis. So, you know, I don't know what's the most important aspect of this for me. I think it might be the cannolis or the Arancini, but, but it's something that to me gets my blood flowing. It got me very excited, got my team very excited. We'll see what happens though. You know, there's a due diligence process. I mean, unfortunately, you guys nailed it in the beginning. They've had some financial woes, um, and they've been in in some substantial. They're in substantial debt. I mean, about fifty plus million euros in debt now. A good portion of that debt is for Tori de Griffo, which is good debt. It's with Credito Sportivo, and it's debt that is sustainable. And but you know, then there's other debt like tax debts and, and right. supplier debts and things of that nature that have to really be restructured before anyone um, that's that's fiscally prudent would come into it. If hypothetically you are successful in acquiring Catania, because obviously it's not the done deal as we know, but you sound excited, which makes me excited as a Catania fan. But what is a realistic yeah. time frame for you if if hypothetically you were successful to return to the city up? Oh listen, listen. We'd be if if we come in and my group comes in, we have only one goal in mind to be in Syria. This Catania is not a team from the third division, it's not a team for Syria B. Catania is a Syria team in a Syria city. Um, with a Syria history, it's going to be warp speed. Look, in 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 you know, I I I was told, I learned later, but I'm proud to say I, I became the first president in the history of Italian football to win three promotions in a row: 14, mm. 15 with Bologna, 15, 16 Venezia, 16, 17 with Venezia, three in a row. Um, you know, that's not an easy task. With Catania, my goal would be to put two more on top of that in a mm. hurry. Um, you know, we want to get this team in Syria. That's where this becomes a, a real sustainable business model with the team in Syria, with a, a, a refurbishing of the, um, of the, uh, you know, the toward the Griffo facility to even make it more, you know, there's a big public facility there as well. They have this incredible gym, spa, world-class pool, and they have 3,500 season members a year. You know, there's ways to really, increase the revenue stream for Calcio Catania other than just this, the standard stuff. Um, but the goal would be to get it right up there in a hurry because that's where Catania belongs. It doesn't belong in the second division or the third division, of course. But, you know, it's not going to be easy. This year is a real tough year for that Gironi. Um, you know, you have, uh, you have, okay, you have obviously Palermo, Uvistabi, Avellino, right. Grappini, but you also have Bari, okay? And, mm, and you know, this, the De Laurentiis is spending just a little bit more than everyone else in the third division there to make sure his team goes up, much like, you know, Berlusconi and, and Renzo Rossi did last year. So, so, but, you know, we're not going to be in for the start of the season. I, I mean, I'm hopeful that if this is a successful deal, and we're working, by the way, with CG, uh, the current ownership group that just came in a month ago. They, they were basically a syndicate of local businessmen who just pulled together some money to, to save this team, which was admirable. Um, but, you know, by old, by, you know, they want us in, 
um, they want us to come in and I want to keep them in because I think, with, you know, it's important to have lo- a local ownership presence. Um, but we'll see what happens. Look, it's the only thing I will be honest with you. It is the only thing I'm focused on. Um, I want nothing more than that because I believe in that, that city. And when I went down there, I got to tell you, the thing that really got to me was the fan reaction, the, the, you know, <laughs> they came up to me as if we had already saved the team when we were in Syria. The level of appreciation there was pretty substantial, and it was very touching to me. And, you know, I, at any place I've been present in Bologna, in, in Venezia, when I was VP of Roma, you know, my move, my my sort of model is is different than the others, like different than a Pilata model where you show up once, twice a year, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I live the community. I go into that community because, to me, you have to understand that you, you can be the paper owner of a team. But the team is owned by by the community. You're the custodian, mm-hmm. and if you if you understand that and you think like that, then you know you you understand the importance of really bridging the gap between the, the team and 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 the community and being part of that community and letting them know you care, you respect them, you give back. And I think that's why I've been as successful as I've been, sort of supporting um, the project and bringing enthusiasm and energy uh, to every project that I've been in. Ah. Myself and the other Roma supporters, we need no convincing of how important it is to have the president there. So <laughs> incredibly refreshing to hear. Before we let you go, though, we just have a few quick fire questions for you. So the first one, Baggio Totti del Piero. Totti. Ah, perfect answer. All right, Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo? Uh, listen, listen, I, I got to be honest with you. I've done a 360 on that. It always used to be messy for me. For me, Ronaldo's the guy because you know what? He wins, he wins, and he wins. I mean, you yes. know that, that the best thing he ever did was when when they, I think it was they were playing uh, Atletico when uh, in the Champions League with Juventus, and he did that thing one, two, three, four, five with his fingers. I mean, <laughs> the guy wins. The guy wins, and I'll tell you what. As a as a Madrid fan, and I am a Madrid fan because of my relationship with that team. They've helped me out immeasurably when I was with Venezia. They they're like you know my big brothers in a lot of way. Um, and I spent a lot of time there. My son spent the year there. Um, I love them. And and when when Ronaldo left that team, it was just a, you saw what happened. A completely right. different team. So you know for all the pretty boy stuff and all that, you know, <laughs> it's not a complete player. You know what? He's 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 a god. I mean, he is he is. I'll take Ronaldo to any any day um, to start my team. And you know, as great as Messi is, and I know there are people out there who, who think I'm crazy, and Messi's maybe the greatest player of all time. I'll take Ronaldo's. Uh, to me, it's all about the, uh, the 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 rings and the cups. And as far as I'm concerned, no one's better than uh, Ronaldo. Maradona or Pele? Because you talk about the greatest of all time. I have to ask. Pelé. Okay. Pelé. And curveball here. Uh, John told me that you guys worked out in the gym before and that you bench pressed each, each other. Who won that competition? We need well, to know. No, it's we different. Need to know this. No, no, we need it's okay. To know it's this. okay. I mean, look, if you want, I can send you a, I'll send you a picture for your, for your podcast of me at the gym. And you can send one of John. I mean, what happened was John sat on my bar as I was bench pressing. I still bench pressed 12 reps. So it's Love not, it. it's, look, John's very strong, but doesn't, not in the same league. It's like sort of Ronaldo. <laughs> It's like it's like Ronaldo and Iguain. <laughs> oh, I'll never live that one down. Jesus. All right. Well, Joe, you've been far too Joe, kind with your listen, time. Guys. No, you guys I, are great. I, I really appreciate your podcast. I got to tell you, my friend Sal Bono is a, is a big fan of yours, and 
And when he heard I was coming on this thing, he hadn't spoken to me in like three months. He was like, you're going on Italian football podcast. He was so excited. <laughs> Look at so we're like, mending right, relationships yeah. here. This is great. Yeah, yeah. You guys are yeah. So great to be on and I'm here anytime you guys need me. And, and if anything happens, uh, affirmatively down in Sicily, um, I'll come back and we can talk about that a little bit more. Can't wait. Can't wait. We're definitely bringing you on again, Joe. Again, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for listening. Again, if you want to get access to all the episodes, Patreon.com/slash/tif. So thank you again for listening to this episode. We will catch you on Monday for the review episode. So until then, bye-bye.